in Ukraine, COVID, the Biden presidency, and the elections. You are listening to The John DePetro Show. Well, folks, good afternoon. Right now, it is 106, and you're listening to The John DePetro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. This portion of the program is brought by the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Right now, they are open lunch, dinner, right now, you could swing by the lodge and enjoy a nice, I love their new deck. I told that to Dave. I love their uh, deck at the lodge. And then even if it gets too warm, they even have air conditioning for it. The Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Well, folks, the big story, and I'm glad it's happening, but there's a lot of pushback with Governor McKee and this ridiculous uh, project, Tidewater Landing Project that they want to uh, push through. They want an additional uh, $27 million. And it, they're, they're opening up the floodgates. Who knows where this thing ends? Let's hear. This is the latest from Channel 12. Getting a pretty big boost here to go forward with a massive downtown project. The Rhode Island Commerce Corporation has approved public investment in what's called Tidewater Landing. Again, it's a new soccer stadium with retail and spots for housing as well. 12 News reporter Brittany Schaefer is live in Pawtucket with the very latest details. Brittany. Well, Daniel, the amended plan adds $27 million of state funding for the project. It narrowly passed in a vote last night, 6-5 to five with that tie-breaking vote coming from Governor Dan McKee. This morning, McKee says it was a positive vote, and it's not only great for the city, but also the entire state. Now, the construction will allow for that waterfront soccer project to continue, but with taxpayer dollars, bringing the total public investment to nearly $60 million, the additional 20 million will go towards constructing the 10,000-seat soccer stadium, along with revitalizing the downtown riverfront with commercial property, housing units, and retail space. The amended plan also includes a clause protecting taxpayers by prohibiting the state and city from covering additional costs moving forward. Mayor Donald Rebian tells me taxpayer dollars will not go into this project until it's completed. Also making sure that we go forward with the housing piece and all of the infrastructure that comes along and it's important to the city of Pawtucket. Um, you know, we're talking about the amenities that from uh, bike paths to waterfront access and, you know, we'll have some beautiful new de- uh, development over there. That's what's important to the city of Pawtucket. And two members of the Rhode Island Commerce Corporation Board abstained from voting last night. The total amount for this project now goes from 284 to 344 million dollars. For now, live in Pawtucket, I'm ridiculous. This is total ridiculous, and that is it's not. You got to be kidding me! But folks, this is Governor McKee right here, and people need to be loud. This is wrong. This is a quid pro quo. Let's hear now. This is the Channel 10 story. Tidewater Landing. Let the developer pay that. Why are you going to have to pay this? Why are taxpayers paying for this? Totally wrong. Totally wrong. He's doing this. He shouldn't have been allowed to vote on it. Governor McKee should have abstained. All right, let's hear. This is the Channel 10 story. The parties just reached a new funding agreement for the project. NBC 10's Gabrielle Caracciolo is live for us in Pawtucket along the riverfront there. 
following the money, as they say. Gabrielle, good morning. Oh, good morning. The $124 million soccer stadium is planned to go here right along the Seekonk River in Pawtucket. And last night, the Rhode Island Commerce Board approved a new agreement for financing the project. Now, the governor says the state is not financially responsible for any cost escalations and no state funding will be used before a permanent certification of occupancy. Profit sharing and repayment would be required for any capital event under this agreement and a 30-year commitment to field a USL Championship Division soccer team will also be required. Repayment will be needed for early departure, among other conditions. McKee issuing a statement praising the vote, saying in part, quote, the Tidewater Landing development on the banks of the Seekonk River in Pawtucket is a game changer for both the city of Pawtucket and the state of Rhode Island. This world-class destination on Pawtucket's riverfront will support thousands of jobs and create millions of dollars in tax revenue. Revenue. The state says this agreement also has a, a strong taxpayer uh, protections in it, and that now that the agreement has been reached, construction can get underway. Live in Pawtucket, Gabrielle Caracciolo, NBC 10 News. This is ridiculous Gabrielle. stuff, folks. Also, I want to, um, folks, remember, you can always email me. Go to the website, depetro.com. Uh, oh, okay. David Trinavet, he is the person... Thank you for this. The president CEO, Swiss Line Precision, Cumberland, old Owens Corning building. Of course, it's a McKee ally, right? Of course, it's a McKee ally. But th- this is ridiculous. Now, also, folks, in political news, I am seeing that Helena Folks has just fired her second campaign manager. Boy, talk about not fooling around. There's something about that that I um that I you know that I kind of like. Um that she she is not afraid to um you know I, I don't know, it's what she's she's going through. If somebody is not working, she will reshuffle. She is continuing. I think, let me see if I have sound on this. <laughs> you know, folks, just fired her second campaign manager. Now, again, she's, she's got advisors here. But from what I understand, uh, according to the Channel 12 store, and I love them for putting it out. What? Ugh. Helena, folks, seems to appear, appears to support the decision. That's a mistake. Why would she say that? No one supports it because she's trying to win the primary because of labor. Okay, that's what it is. Uh, let's see. I'm just checking her. She attended a North Providence Little League tournament last night. That's interesting. Let me see who's in the photo. I don't recognize these people. Um, someone in North Providence. Uh, she says this about the kid from West Warwick. I'm absolutely devastated for Tay's, Javante's family. Senseless gun violence should be inconceivable. Um, well, again, we don't know exactly what happened. But this is, 
the Providence Journal, Patrick Anderson saying she appears to support the decision to move ahead. We didn't hear from Helena folks whose brother voted no. Um, the treasurer says it would be bad. Now, why is he saying, let me just check this, folks. I apologize. This project surgery much bigger than an isolated stadium. I'm not confident Governor McKee explored all options for private funding. Um, I, while I wish they went further, I'm glad to see an enhanced protection in this deal. As governor, I will do everything to ensure that. So, well, see, here's the problem, folks, at 114. See, no one wants to go against... Um, <laughs> Go against the unions. Helena, folks, has parted ways with a second campaign manager. Sam Rivers exited about a month ago and won't be replaced. Ted Nisi is right on top of this. Now there's no audio. Not yet. Democrat Helena, folks, has quietly parted ways with her campaign manager for the second time since she launched her bid for governor. Sam Rivers departs about a month ago. She, Sam Rivers replaced folks' first campaign manager, Emma Kakamo, last winter. Asked whether she plans to hire a third for the hat trick. We have no plans to backfill that exact role. Um, blah, blah, blah. Internal flux for folks. Initially hired. Folks initially had as their media consultant Mark Putnam, who crafted the TV ads for Raimundo. Earlier this year, she replaced Putnam with Tad Devine, Democrat strategist, deep experience in Rhode Island. Folks has proven to be a champion fundraiser. Her campaign spending has raised eyebrows among rivals. Listen to this. The folks campaign has already spent 900000 as of March, the most well before she had a single TV ad. Her campaign estimates they'll spend $3.3 million by the primary. Much of that money went to consultants, starting with her pollster. Uh, other firms that saw big money, Battle Axe Digital paid sixty-four grand. Somebody else, Strategic, Strategic. Um, well, she's moving up. Boy, that is something. Good story by Ted Nisi, by the way. Very good story by that. Um, oh, okay. So she is saying she just thinks I'm not confident they explored all options, but apparently didn't want to um, go against the unions is is really what that comes down to. So, but I, listen, it's wrong. It's bad business. We should not be on the hook for this. As I've said, right now, um, they they would he he will agree to anything. Right now, he will agree to anything. I want to go to um. Somebody just posted Dan Rather talking to Pat Buchanan in late October in nineteen seventy three. <laughs> I just want to hear this for some reason. Let me just hear this impression. That this, as has been the case so often in the past, is yet another effort to divert public attention mm-hmm. away from the real problems. The real problems being that the president is 
30% or below in the last public opinion poll. The real problem that he miscalculated very badly on what the effect of the firing of Special Prosecutor Cox and the two resignations that followed in the wake might be. Now, is this or is this not a fair uh, observation? Well, let's take the, uh, the alleged miscalculation on Saturday night, the firing of Mr. Cox. Again, now let me not quote myself, but the judgment of Bob Wiedrich of the Chicago Tribune and how the media handled the firing of Professor Cox, the individuals who were over there. He described it not as instant analysis, but instant panic, paranoia, manufactured fervor. On the Tuesday after the Cox firing, the president's news summary listed 19 interviews on the three networks unfavorable to the president and only two favorable ones. Reports in major newspapers were also noted to be negative. But should the press have ignored the various cries for impeachment? All right. I, I, I don't know. I just thought that would be I'd like Pat Buchanan a lot. Um, I want to go to Brandon Judd. I've interviewed Brandon, National Border Patrol Counsel. I'm going to see him in September. He was on Newsmax talking about the border. I want to just play this. Brandon Judd. Certain locations. If you look at Del Rio, Texas, there's times that there are no agents that are actively patrolling the border. They're doing administrative duties, whether that's hospital watch, transport, processing, um, security at, at the detention facilities. There's literally nobody on the border. And what that does is that creates gaps. It creates openings and allows the cartels to get in their their higher value products, whether that's criminal aliens, aliens from special interest countries or the the large number of fentanyl that is on our streets today, killing so many of our youth. The, The problem that we continue to see is that as we put that uniform on, as all of us put that uniform on, we are being pulled into different locations that we're not supposed to be. We're supposed to be out there patrolling the border. We're supposed to be protecting the American people. And we can't do that under this administration's policies. Yeah. And that's a problem. And it's a problem for... And it's a major problem. And, and it, without question, it's a major problem, by the way. It is a major problem. Folks, good afternoon. Right now, it's one nineteen. You're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Uh, that, that vote last night, though... Governor McKee should not have taken that vote. He should not have been the tiebreaker on that. That he should not. That is wrong. That is complete. That was a conflict of interest. He should not have cast that vote. I believe that is a, a quid pro quo. Governor McKee should not have cast that vote with that stadium. Absolutely not. He has a lot vested there. Um, the The fact that he was, it, it is absolutely wrong that he cast that vote. I don't, I have a major problem with that. I don't think he should have been, uh, he should not have been casting that vote by, by any stretch. Nope. It was wrong. Governor McKee should not have voted that way. That is, that, that is, see, this is the problem with the McKee campaign. Because he doesn't hesitate to, to uh, make a vote like that. And this whole business, these, this is, you know, this is ignoring. I, I don't, I don't want to have to bring up 38 Studios, but 38 Studios was an example on, on why you don't. Do those types of things because the, the the fact is that 
that is picking winners and losers. And government is not supposed to be in the business of of doing that in any way. Um, it it it's not supposed to be. It's supposed to be you know where, where these people are so off is you're supposed to set a level playing field. And then whoever wants to come in and how they want to explore it, everybody's on the same page, right? But what they want to do, what they want to do is in their mind, there's no money to be made doing that. So that's why everything's always flexible, right? Like everything's maybe... You know, maybe it could be that it's maybe it would be this rate, but maybe it would be a different tax rate. And that that's how they operate. And that's what's wrong. No one wants that. You know, I've talked about that. Um, it, it, that that's not how you operate. It should be that everybody, it doesn't matter what it is, but the way they have it set up. The way that the state operates is it could be this amount or if you hire one of them, right, like one of the politically connected, then it could be this amount. You know, when you go into that's not how business people want to do business. I'll just say that. And and. What I, I don't know what's going to happen. The Helena folks uh, campaign is actually interesting to watch simply because they have a month to go and they just got rid of another campaign manager. And I this is I, I get why they're knocking this. They're knocking this because they don't want to annoy the unions. But at this point, she's already a million into it. Hmm. How, how much is she going to throw down? That's the real question right now. How much is Helena folks going to throw down? And Governor McKee just keeps cranking out the money. He's handing out money left and right. Anything for votes. And it's going to be like that until the primary. Then they're going to start hitting the streets. Um, then they're going to start hitting the the streets for the mail ballots. Um, so that, that I believe, is the direction. You know, that's where they're going. He is full speed ahead. They are not. Right now, the next 30 days, this is it. This is absolutely it for the... Um, Helena folks campaign, 100%. If they can't get this, they need to start gaining ground. I don't know if they can anyway, because, again, it was it was big to go after the governorship um, with, without having been elected, without having been elected to any office. You know, Rebecca, that it is true. Governor Kachiri had lightning strike in a bottle. He came around, along at the right time. He was a you know CEO, then then decided to run for office, 
he had a primary against Jim Bennett. And Governor Kachiri just hit on all cylinders in order to, that is true, in 2002, first time he ever ran for office, he won. And then he ran for uh, re-election in 06 and then won again. All of that true. But you can't just, so then everyone says, see, it can be done, then I'm going to do that. Um, I, I don't know if that's the case. Now, I do want to play two top aides to former President Mike Pence testify before the federal grand jury regarding January 6th. I want to just hear this because, um, yeah, let me just hear this. This was on GMA. Vice President Pence have not testified before a federal grand jury. The House committee also released new videos showing a draft of former President Trump's remarks the day after the insurrection. You see them right there. Congressional correspondent Rachel Scott is tracking it all from Capitol Hill. Good morning, Rachel. George, good morning. Lawmakers say they have new evidence of the words Donald Trump would not say after the January 6th insurrection. It comes as the Department of Justice is ramping up its own investigation, now hearing from the most significant witnesses yet. This morning, the federal investigation into January 6th is intensifying, with two top aides to former Vice President Mike Pence appearing before a federal grand jury. Sources say Pence's former chief of staff, Mark Short, and counsel Greg Jacob are cooperating with the Justice Department. Short not mincing words about the dangers that day. If the mob had gotten closer to the vice president, I do think there would have been a massacre in the Capitol that day. Both have also spoken to the January 6th committee. Lawmakers now releasing this new video. They say shows evidence the former president was reluctant to condemn his supporters who stormed the Capitol committee revealing this image of a draft of Trump's remarks on January 7th, the day after the insurrection. Phrases crossed out, handwritten edits added in. Do you recognize the handwriting? It looks like my father's handwriting. Strength throughs on lines calling for swift and firm legal consequences and for the Justice Department to prosecute all lawbreakers to the fullest extent of the law. His son-in-law and advisor, Jared Kushner, asked why. Do you know why? He wanted that crossed out. Uh, I don't know. He also was crossed out. I want to be very clear. You do not represent me. You do not represent our movement. Do you remember? Do you know why he crossed that language out of the statement? I don't know. And as the committee brings forward new evidence, President Biden delivering a sharp rebuke of his predecessor. For three hours, the defeated former president of the United States watched it all happen as he sat in the comfort of the private dining room next to the Oval Office. Biden insisting the nation relied on law enforcement to save our democracy. While he was doing that, brave law enforcement officer subject to the medieval hell for three hours, dripping in blood, surrounded by carnage. Face to face with crazed mob that believed the lies of the defeated president. The police were heroes that day. Donald Trump lacked the courage to act. And Trump is expected to be in Washington today for the first time since leaving office. He is scheduled to speak to a conservative group, and he won't be the only Republican in town. His own vice president, Mike Pence, will be here as well, speaking to a separate group. The two pitching very different directions for the future of the Republican Party, George. And Rachel, there are also new developments in that investigation in Georgia into election interference. 
Yeah, this is a snag for the district attorney in Georgia who was hoping to speak with the state senator, Burt Jones, who is also running for lieutenant governor for his alleged role in trying to reverse the state's election results. Well, turns out a federal judge says there's a conflict of interest Oof. because the prosecutor in that state donated and held a campaign fundraiser for his political opponent. And this morning, our affiliate WSB is reporting that Governor Brian Kemp has spoken to that special grand jury. You know, a problem with this, folks, at 129, the number one, I know I, every time if I play anything remotely potentially negative about President Trump, there are people listening right now that get upset. But you, you and you can do that, by the way, you may have the luxury of saying that you, you don't want to hear anything that could be remotely conceived, perceived, excuse me, as negative towards President Trump. I don't have that luxury. I'd like to know what's out there. I I like to I I have to know what's out there. I have to know what's being said. The the ostrich head in the sand blowing it off. You got to know what's being said. As I've tried to explain to certain people, he's watching it. He's addressing it. He has to know you, 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 you can't, you know, people, I, I don't listen to any of it. I just go on truth. So, well, you, you, you're not, then you don't know what's being said. Not being in the loop. There, there's no advantage that I've ever seen to not being in the loop of what's really going on, of what's being said. Not that I see. There are people that are, um, they're more comfortable that way. And maybe you can operate that way. But I, I you, you have to know what is being said. It doesn't, and I want to be very clear, it doesn't mean I agree with it. But if someone is running a story and making some pretty strong accusations against the president, you have to at least be aware of what is being said. Because as I said, I, I've never seen the benefit of, I don't know, I don't want to know. I block it all out, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, that's that's ostrich. That's ostrich time. I've never seen that work. Or I'm, I'm not in a position I can do that. I don't know what's going to happen. I still think he is the candidate to beat. He is still, you know, the one to... To beat. They can talk about different polls. I enjoyed our conversation with um, Donna Perry earlier. But to me, I, I always come back to, you know, you got to knock out the champ, so to speak. And he's still the champ. When, when Hey, listen, when I've done Newsmax before and after some of his rallies, you're still talking about someone that's drawing 20,000 people. In places like Alaska and Illinois, that is that's not only not easy to do, it's actually impossible to do. And there's no one else that can do that. Folks, right now, at one thirty two on this Tuesday. And again, good afternoon or actually one thirty three. You're listening to the John DePietro show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. This portion of our show at one thirty three, folks, and it's brought to you by It's My Health. Now, right now, boy, the weather it's definitely cooled off a little bit. Pop in and see our friend Marie, 1099. 
Menden Road in Cumberland. It's my health. Vitamins, herbal remedies, trusted products. They, she understands Marie has great service, quality products, local products like Isae, honey, maple syrup, beef fresh gum, 250 bulk herbs, teas and spices, and hemp and CBD products. It's my health. The White Church, Old White Church, Historic White Church, diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant. It's my health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Now, the big story, I think this is wrong. This is the Channel 12 audio of it. Additional taxpayer money. Additional taxpayer money. Governor McKee signed the deciding vote. He shouldn't have voted. It's a quid pro quo. The Rhode Island Republican Party issued a, a, a statement. Poor socks, poor soccer, excuse me, poor soccer, a taxpayer debacle in the making. Last night, the Rhode Island Commerce Corporation um, voted to increase the taxpayer subsidy for a Pawtucket soccer stadium to $60 million. The new stadium is expected to cost $124 million and will be the most expensive stadium for U.S. minor league soccer stadium in history. Poor, soc- poor soccer developers estimated the new stadium will attract 7,600 fans per game, although the average for a minor league game is 4,000. And the nearby New England Revolution only attracts 18,000. According to the Providence Journal, Governor Dan McKee, who was the tie-breaking vote, indicated he wasn't thinking about what would happen if fans don't show up. Steve Fryers, the Rhode Island Republican Party, commented, if this stadium gets built, it'll turn into a historic debacle for taxpayers. Has been repeatedly shown repeatedly by economists, sports stadiums don't pay for themselves. Taxpayer subsidies for sports stadiums are the epitome of corporate welfare. Much better use of taxpayer money than this. Recently at Worcester, the most expensive minor league baseball stadium was built. It already appears the promised level of development surrounding will not materialize. This poor soccer deal probably turned out worse than the Wu Sox deal, because at least the minor league Red Sox team had an established fan base. Governor McKee does not care about whether this deal makes sense for taxpayers. But his vote last night has shown he's more interested in making sure the union members show up for him and the Democrat primary. Well enough, people will actually show up to poor soccer games for the deal to work. And Steve Harris is exactly right. And therefore, I, I think it's a conflict of interest because it's a quid pro quo. All right, let's hear. This is the Channel 12 story on this soccer deal. Good afternoon, everyone. I'm Danielle Norris. Today, the city of Pawtucket getting a pretty big boost here to go forward with a massive downtown project. Terrible. The Rhode Island Commerce Corporation Terrible. has approved public investment in what's called Tidewater Landing. Again, it's a new soccer stadium with retail and spots for housing as well. 12 News reporter Brittany Schaefer is live in Pawtucket with the very latest details. Brittany. Well, Danielle, the amended plan adds $27 million of state funding for the project. It narrowly passed in a vote last night, 6-5 to five with that tie-breaking vote coming from Governor Dan McKee. This morning, McKee says it was a positive vote, and it's not only great for the city, but also the entire state. Now, the construction will allow for that waterfront soccer project to continue, but with taxpayer dollars, bringing the total public investment to nearly $60 million, the additional 20 
27 million will go towards constructing the 10,000 seat soccer stadium, along with revitalizing the downtown riverfront with commercial property, housing units, and retail space. The amended plan also includes a clause protecting taxpayers for pro by prohibiting the state and city from covering additional costs moving forward. Mayor Donald Grebian tells me taxpayer dollars will not go into this project until it's completed. We're also making sure that we go forward with the housing piece and all of the infrastructure that comes along and it's important to the city of Pawtucket. Um, you know, we're talking about the amenities that from uh, bike paths to waterfront access and, you know, we'll have some beautiful new de uh, development over there. That's what's important to the city of Pawtucket. Terrible. Terrible. Terrible, and two terrible. members of the Rhode Island Commerce Corporation Board abstained from voting last That's night. A lot, the Carl. total amount for this project now goes from 284 to, go, to 344 million dollars. For now, live in Pawtucket, I'm Brittany Schaefer, 12 News. You know that is, um, and Steve Farris is exactly right. This is all about Governor McKee trying to win the Democrat primary. I want to play. This is the Channel 12 piece on the 15-year-old that was shot and killed, the 15-year-old from West Warwick that was shot and killed in Providence on Saturday night after 11 o'clock in the Silver Lake section of Providence. Okay, here we go. We're hearing from the mother of the teenager shot and killed in Providence over the weekend. Her son, Gervonta Tilson, has been identified as the 15-year-old who was found in a driveway on Wallace Street in the city's Silver Lake neighborhood. That mother went down to the Providence Safety Complex herself this afternoon to get an update on the investigation. That's where we find 12 News reporter Sheena Loshudo. Sheena? It's been an emotional few hours here at the police station today. The victim's mother tells me she hasn't even seen her son's body yet at this point. And tonight, she just wants everyone to know her son had a good heart and he did not deserve this. This is the last photo I took with Gervonta. This is Gervonta Tilson's mother. So is that. It's hard to look at, but it's near and dear to me too because... I can never take another picture again. Providence police have identified him as the 15-year-old who was gunned down on Wallace Street late Saturday night, marking the city's fifth homicide of the year. I want people to understand that Javante was a kid that played basketball. He, he rode bikes and he wasn't a saint, but what happened to him was senseless it was uncalled for we and it was wrong we don't know that tilson's mother marisol tilson wants people to know the teenager was a good kid but he trusted the wrong people oh. police continue looking for the suspects and say more than one person could be responsible for the tragic death could be Gervonta likes to make people laugh Make people laugh at him. As detectives continue working around the clock to solve this case, candles now line the sidewalk at the scene of the fatal shooting, with pictures capturing the legacy and memory of the life cut short. And I begged him to take this picture. He didn't like taking pictures he, or being recorded or anything. And I remember saying to him, you got to take pictures with me because one day I'm not going to be here and you're going to need pictures to look back on. I didn't know that it would be him. That wasn't going to be him. And Tilson's mother tells us the 15-year-old lived in West Warwick, but he also grew up in Johnston as well. For now, we're live in Providence. I'm Sheena. So now she's going to the Providence Police Station. 
in um and what demanding answers what's going on who who wh- what what was he doing after 11 o'clock on saturday night and why was he in that neighborhood yes it is very tragic that a young person lost their life however it's too bad that the family wasn't so vigilant while he was still alive. I think that's fair. Not sure if people think that that's fair. I know people get upset. How can you say that? The, the story right now is getting a lot of media attention. But as I was at the scene last night where he was shot and killed, um, there were some people that were there that identified themselves as friends of his, and they gave the impression that even if they had information, now someone could say, someone could say that they were just saying that, right, that they didn't really mean it, that they were, you know, what do you expect them to say? Um, <laughs> here is, I'm, it's funny looking at some of the, um, the comments of people that, um, um, someone is saying the neighborhood is safe, right? Except for the fact someone was just right shot, shot to death. Right. Um, <laughs> you you understand that? I don't think everyone understands that. Obviously not. So here's someone that's an expert. I've lived here. Um, Boom, boom, boom. Everybody, there's no problems there. Um, I, listen, it, 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 it is what it is, which is he was shot and killed on the street. So is, is, as much as people can say, and that's hardly the first shooting, and it won't be the last shooting, by the way. So as much as people want to make comments that everything is fine, and it's, it's so I've lived here my whole life. There's no problems in this, right? Except for the, the kid that was shot and killed in the driveway on Saturday night. So you can make an argument all you want. It's fine. Oh, no, it's a great neighborhood. The people that live there are petrified. And the mother was questioning how come no one opened the door to help him? How come no one opened the door to help him? So... So people heard a gunshot in their homes, and then people are wondering, why didn't they open the door to what? Find out what was the gunshot all about? Is that that what it is? I don't think so. I think we are asking a lot. People are not, people were frightened. People, of course, they were frightened. 
to try to act like it's no problem here. This neighborhood's fine. The only problem with people, well, obviously it's it's not fine. Um, there was something going on, and someone was shot and killed there. So, you know, maybe lose the whole thing of like there's nothing wrong with the neighborhood. No, there's a lot of crime, and a lot of people moved out. I've lived here for 50 years, never been a problem. Yep, nobody knows anything. Nope. Everybody's, everyone's just doing their own thing. Not a problem in any way. Folks, um, at 145, again, good afternoon. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. I did want to play some more sound. Mike Pence spoke this morning, and President Trump is going to speak this afternoon at 3 o'clock. And there is, you know, who knows what he's going to say. Who knows? Um, let me see. Former Vice President, former VP Mike Pence, talking about former President Trump. He was speaking this morning. It was a question. Let me. Uh, I want to hear this. So much for being here. Hi, what's your name? And my name is Andrew Bouchard. I go to Gettysburg College. Hi, Andrew. And my question is: uh, you, President Trump and yourself are both speaking this week in D.C., and there seems to be a divide between the two of you on your outlook on what the future of the conservative movement might be. So, do you think that this divide extends to the rest of the conservative movement, like the general public? And what do you think we can do to alleviate it? Well, I will tell you that I couldn't be uh, more proud of the record of the Trump-Pence administration. I mean, for four years, we advanced the policies that I just described without apology to promote a, a growing economy, to secure our border. We appointed more than 300 conservatives to our federal courts at every level, including three Supreme Court justices. We rebuilt our military, all of what I described. And I'll always be grateful for the opportunity to serve as vice president. So I don't know that our movement is that divided. I don't, I don't know that the president and I differ on issues. But we may differ on focus. I, I truly do believe that elections are about the future. And that it's absolutely essential at a time when so many Americans are hurting, so many families are struggling, that we don't give way to the temptation to look back. But I think the time has come for us to offer a bold, positive agenda to bring America back. And I'll continue to carry that message all across this nation. Oh. He, um, I'm anxious to see just what kind of uh, presence he's going to be. This is also uh, former Vice President Mike Pence this morning. Creator. With certain inalienable rights of life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness is the essence of American freedom. And that idea of American freedom has created the most prosperous nation in the history of the world. We have astounded the world now for centuries with our innovation, our creativity, and our generosity. And it's all been driven, as people here at YAFCON know, by our commitment to freedom. But sadly, as we gather here today, American freedom is under attack. Big tech, big media, big government, even big business have locked arms 
to advance a pernicious woke agenda designed to control the American people and destroy the American dream. The ruling elites here in Washington and all across this country had never been more out of touch with the values of everyday Americans, but more, never more intent on imposing their agenda on each and every one of us. I hardly need to tell uh, those of you that have been standing up as conservatives on campus about the cancel culture in which we live today. I don't know about, I, I don't know, I can't put my finger on it. He's just not my type of candidate. Um, he's just not, he's just, I just, I'm, I'm not, nothing against the guy. I know people that have met the vice president. He's a decent man. I didn't like when he was uh, mocked for saying that he, you know, prayed. Um, there's just something of, I don't know. I can't put my, there's just something about the former vice president. I just don't think he's the guy. Put it that way. I don't think he's the guy. Listen, it begins right now at 150. You're listening to the John DePietro show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. It begins and ends with what President Trump decides to do. It just does, period. Anyone that wants to pretend differently, it it begins and ends on what he decides to do and how that's going to shape the race. Uh, there's certainly, there seem to be great efforts to try to prevent him from running again. As Donna Perry mentioned, great efforts to try to. If they say legally he can't run again, I, then they deserve the backlash that they're going to get from that. Now, I also want to play this story. I have no sympathy from this restaurant that thought it'd be funny to poke fun at Ian Frank and the Holocaust. Whatever flack, and I don't know, it seems like a local place. And they'll love the locals, and it'll probably die down. This is the Channel 10 story on it. After they posted an anti-Semitic meme to their Facebook page. The restaurant has since apologized for the post, but some con- but some community members don't think that's enough. The Night Team's Molly Levine joins us live now from Tiverton with the new details. Molly? Dan and Patrice, the meme was posted to Facebook on Friday, but it was quickly removed. And actually, as of this hour, if you look up their Facebook page, nothing comes up. But all of this was done after the community was outraged. Will I come here again? I'm not so sure. Customers choosing other businesses to support after Atlantic Sports Bar and Restaurant posted this to their Facebook page Friday. A photo of Holocaust victim Anne Frank with the text saying, it's hotter than an oven out there and I should know. The caption to the post was hashtag oh boy. I thought for a second that it could have been a hack, like it was a mistake. It was so incredulous to me. It didn't seem like it was a deliberate post. Instead of adding a comment to the thread, Jessica Machado got on the phone with an employee there. He indicated that he had Googled it. He had Googled posts of memes about the heat. He had seen that one. He thought it was funny and he posted it. 
and he was very busy. It was very hot inside the restaurant. He said it was very, very hot. We're very, very busy. I don't have time for this. Um, don't call my restaurant again. And then wow. NBC10 tried messaging the restaurant on Facebook, but that feature was turned off. We also tried calling Atlantic, but the phone just kept ringing. The business did take to Facebook today, though. I just feel that it's, it wasn't uh, not an authentic caring response. They said in part that the post was poorly thought out and we realized that it was incredibly inappropriate and does not reflect our values as members of our community. There is no excuse for the sharing of this post and there is nothing we can do to rectify it. Adding that moving forward they will be sure to be vigilant in vetting all social media posts to ensure that nothing like the events of this past week ever happen again. Customers say a written apology isn't enough. I'm not really sure what would be, maybe a donation to a local temple. Other customers and residents say the business should close their doors. Machado, who married into a Jewish family and celebrates all the Jewish holidays, says she doesn't support cancel culture. I think small business owners have a really tough job, um, and they support their families, and they support a lot of employees. Um, but I don't think this should be overlooked. So I'm hoping that they can maybe put their money where their mouth is, maybe make a donation, have their customers make donations. The Atlantic is scheduled to reopen tomorrow from 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. I'm live in Timberton, Molly Levine, NBC 10 News 19. Now, again, I think um, they're, they're totally tone deaf, and it was very insignificant, uh, insulting, actually. But, who, you know, they're, they're just like a bunch of locals. I'm not making excuses by any means, but good luck trying to get any accountability from that crowd. I don't think it will. Um, and, and, the fact that even though it was a lame apology, it was taken down, I, I think the story starts to fade a little bit. Folks, good afternoon. At 154, you're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. This portion of the program is watched by the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Delicious lunch, dinner, drinks in the lounge, or sit out on the deck. They're waiting for you at the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln, right off of Route 146. So I'm just checking some of the, um, <laughs> Nelly Gorbea has released a climate plan. I, like what? <laughs> uh, is anyone taking that seriously? Like, is anyone taking that seriously? I don't think so. Well, the big news of the day is the soccer stadium. Um, Governor McKee should not have done that. I'm against this. This is ridiculous. This is, he is doing that as a gift to the union in a form of a quid pro quo. Uh, it should not move forward. And for him to be doing that, um, at this point, he is trying to move in. People are very leery of him. Folks, the thing to watch I mean, I don't think he's going to pull off the primary, but Helena, folks, that campaign is just not happening. She just fired a second campaign manager. All right, so she's not afraid to make changes and mix it up, but you got to have somebody uh, going along here. Somebody's going to know what they're doing. Right now, unless she starts to make some different moves, this remains a two-person race between Nellie Gorbea and Dan McKay. Ashley Kalis, she didn't put out a good ad. I guess I could ear it. 
finally going after both Biden and McKee. I thought it was a it's a decent ad. Um, yeah, I'll play it. What's it called? Oh, inflation is out of control. Failing us, I believe, is the name of this. This is a new commercial from Ashley Kalis. Here we go. Under Joe Biden and Dan McKee, career politicians and elites are failing us. Under Joe Biden and Dan McKee, inflation is out of control. Rising food and gas prices are crushing Rhode Island families. But political outsider Ashley Kalis is a fighter with real-world business experience to get Rhode Island back on track. Kalis will make Rhode Island more affordable. Suspend the gas tax. Stop taxpayer-funded developer bailouts and bonuses. And schools will focus on reading, writing, and math. Ashley Kalis for governor. You know, I like the, the local media saying, so she went negative. Well, they are failing us. I mean, I actually even think it's an accurate commercial. Right? Biden and McKee. Well, they, they are failing. And they are failing us. Former Trump officials clash at a former president's D.C. speech at policy think tank. Pina Navarro does not think he should be making this speech. Trump, 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 hold on. Trump White House official Mark Loiter, who we've had on the program, clapped back at Pina Navarro. Pina wrote a scathing column about a conservative think tank launched by former Trump advisors. It's disappointing that Pina... Oh, boy. I don't like them all fighting amongst each other. Um, we had him on right before the, um, in, uh, in February of 2020, before the New Hampshire primary, we had Mark on. Peter Navarro, who I like and respect a lot, he, he just didn't think he should be making this speech. So President Trump is going to speak later today. There's a little speculation that he might actually uh, announce. I don't know. Folks, it's Sean DePietro. It's 159. I encourage you to visit the website, DePietro.com. I'll tell you this. Doesn't matter, Republican or Democrat, that soccer stadium is a mistake. That soccer stadium should not go forward with taxpayer money. We'd be on the hook for it. This is irresponsible by Governor McKee, and it needs to be halted. Somehow, it needs to be halted. People that had the ability to speak up and stop it Failed us. Failed us. All right. I want you to enjoy this Tuesday. We're going to be doing a Facebook live stream later. Stay tuned for the 2 o'clock news. And then be listing after 3 o'clock. Be interesting if President Trump announces anything. In the meantime, enjoy this Tuesday. WNRI Socket.